Hey there, I'm Tracy Rigdon, and this is the Contrast Project Lounge Podcast. In this podcast, each episode is a journey through captivating interviews, engaging dialogues, and personal anecdotes that explore the depths of arts, culture, politics, and everything in between. My goal? To leave you inspired, informed, and entertained. Often random, but always relevant, always real, and practically nothing is off limits. So whether you're an art aficionado, a political junkie, or simply someone seeking a fresh perspective, this podcast is for you. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Welcome back to the program, guys. I have joining me today uh, Jacksonville's very own author, educator, Mr. Tim Gilmore. Good friend, Tim Gilmore. Tim, how you doing today? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, you're, I've been following your show for a while now, and it's it's coming <laughs> a long way. So thanks for thanks for having me here. I'm I'm thrilled to talk to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long road, and things have been changing one season after the next. But, uh, yeah, I, I just keep having more and more fun with it. Uh, yeah. Let's first talk about uh, before we uh, before we start talking about your latest book. Uh, which is fascinating, by the way. Um, let's talk about something that uh, that came up when I was doing some of my research. And, of course, I've been reading your stuff on your website, Jack Psycho Geo, for a long time. Uh, and, and for my listeners, for my followers, uh, you definitely have to check it out. And I'll leave the links in the descriptions down here. Um, the aspect of spirit of place and psychogeography. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you for asking that. So um, Jack Psychogeo is short for um, uh, Jacksonville Psychogeography. Psychogeography is a portmanteau word for um, the psychology of geography, which is something like the spirit of place. There's this great uh, Latin phrase, uh, genius loci, which means the spirit of place. And it's something that I have... Uh, maybe always been been really interested in, and I think it's something that affects people uh, whether or not they're aware of it. Uh, you know, uh, different places affect us in different ways. Uh, you know, architects know this, urban planners know this, um, uh, historians I think uh, are are aware of this. Um, different parts of a town affect us different ways. Different cities affect us different ways. So, um, I, I've I've I'm really interested in the concept of, of psychogeography. Um, there are, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a loosely defined, uh, I don't think movement, movement is probably too cohesive uh, a word, but in arts and literature, um, some people trace it back to Edgar Allan Poe stories like The Man in the Crowd or to um, uh, the, uh, the poetry of Char Baudelaire in Paris. Um, and, um, uh, more recently, um, there are people like the, the English novelist, Peter Aykroyd, uh, whose work very much deals with that, uh, or, um, uh, Ian Sinclair, who is a, uh, an English writer who, uh, writes, you know, thousand page books about wandering the whole periphery of London on foot and things like that. So, 
Um, so it can mean a lot of different things, um, but it's kind of central to um, the way I, I think about things and the, the way I approach digging into, into the stories of my hometown, which is Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the subject matters, uh, you know, in, in the articles on your website are, are just the, the research that goes into that stuff is uh it, it it can be mind boggling i i've looked at i've looked into some of those things that you talk about and 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 sometimes i scratch my scratch my head you know i i'm a jacksonville native too and and a lot of the things you dig up i've never even heard of <laughs> you know i mean i grew up here and um maybe you and i have some of the same situations uh, in that you know when when i was a kid growing up here I think everybody I knew said they couldn't wait to get out. You know, they said Jacksonville is a boring place. They, um, uh, you know, there was there was a bit of a brain drain problem. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means since about me since I stuck around, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so somewhere along the way, I thought, well, you know, why are there certain places and certain cities that seem to have this? Um, outgrowth this this incredible um, plethora of writers and artists that come out of it uh, and then I started thinking about Jacksonville differently and looking around differently and seeing that in fact there's there's quite a quite an incredible arts and literary community in Jacksonville and um, you know just taking the blinders off of my eyes and looking at some of the historic architecture that's here and finding out that when you dig into uh, a place, when you dig into the landscape, there are always stories there. I think that's the case wherever you are. <laughs> and, uh, and the more stories you dig into, you find that they're connected underground to all of these other stories. And it just um, becomes something that just endlessly feeds itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, the... Uh some of the things that have happened in Jacksonville, um, whether, whether they be, you know, positive, you know, outcomes or, and, and we've got some, we've got some, some, some dark past in Jacksonville too. That's absolutely true. And I think it's, I think it's important to, um, you know, to deal with things honestly. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, that, that's, that is a big part of why, um, history is important. I don't think history is a study of the past. I think it's a study of the present. It's why are we um, the way we are? Why why does our world look the way it looks? What are the forces that uh, you know um, socially, culturally, psychologically um, move us in ways that we're not even conscious of a lot of the time? Um, so uh, it's absolutely necessary to be honest about those things and. Uh, I, I believe in truth and reconciliation. You can't, uh, you can't make the place, the community that you're in better uh, until you acknowledge the things that you, you need to improve, right? And um, mm -hmm. every city has an ugly past, um, as sure. well as beautiful past. Um, Jacksonville has, has, uh, has plenty of both. Um, obviously, it's got... Um, you know, it's got a, a, a pretty violent um, racial history. It's got yes. Um, it's it's got a violent it's got a violent history. Period. Actually, uh, and um, but I think all of those things are 
fascinating when you dig into them and necessary to deal with if if we want this this place to be the best place it can be yeah yeah uh absolutely and i i'm a i'm a child of the 60s and uh a mm. lot of a lot of the bad things continued to happen during the 60s um such as you know the 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 riots on the east side the uh uh axe handle saturday 1960 some of those things because yeah. i was born in i was born in 1960 uh so uh, some of those things I never even heard about until I was much older. Uh, we didn't, we weren't given that information. Uh, we were shielded from uh, my parents. Uh, basically, it just wasn't talked about. Yeah, uh, and it's not just you, and it's not just um, <clears throat> you know your parents that that did the shielding in so many ways. Um, the the segregation of Jacksonville um, wasn't just a geographical thing; it was a psychological thing. Um, white Jacksonville, you know, so often uh, had very little idea of what was happening in Black Jacksonville. You can see that when you dig mm -hmm. into the musical history of La Villa and the you know the nineteen teens and the nineteen twenties. Uh, there's all of this incredible stuff happening there that um, white Jacksonville uh, knew very little, if anything, about. Uh, right. And uh, when you move into the civil rights era and then when you move into uh, the 1960s, um, you know, these two separate worlds that were right next to each other, um, they collide. And um, white Jacksonville is suddenly going, you know, what's happening? And in so yeah. many ways, black, black Jacksonville Black Jacksonville knew what was going on in White Jacksonville, but the opposite was not true. So, sure. And, you know, you mentioned Axe Handle Saturday. Um, local media blacked a lot of that out, you know. They did not report on it, even though uh, Life magazine was, was reporting on it. Um, there, was, mm -hmm. there was very little of any uh, uh, reporting on it happening here locally. Right, right. And, and that brings me. Uh, right into the topic of your recent book, uh, The Culture Wars of yeah. Warren Folks. Uh, and it explores the life of, you know, uh, you know a self-avowed white supremacist and uh, segregationist. Uh, uh, you know, uh, elaborate, you know, for us on your motivation for writing this, you know, biography or broader message that it conveys about the South. Mm. Uh, and, you know, particularly Jacksonville and, and you know, that climate. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so so uh, so Warren Folks, as you said, was a, a, a self-avowed. And I think it's important to say self-avowed because there were white supremacists who weren't necessarily even aware that they were white supremacists. Right. Um, but he was yep. a self-avowed white supremacist who um, ran for office. uh multiple offices uh, from the 1960s um, uh, up through the 80s and to um, the early 90s even. And um, what, what first brought my attention to him, I had heard of him before. Um, Rodney Hurst in his, his book, It Was Never mm -hmm. About a Hot Dog and a Coke, has a chapter, and the chapter is called Warren Folks. Um, I, I had heard of him before, but I had kind of forgotten about him. And then um, last November, I was uh, 
I was looking into um, book bans that had happened in Florida um, previously uh, because of uh, some of the things that are happening politically now and that have only, you know, that only accelerated in the months after that uh, with, um, you know, um, the governor and the Florida legislature um, banning books, banning the teaching or trying to ban anyway, the teaching of, of, of black history uh, and, uh, you know, uh, anything that uh, they often focus on, uh, you know, the, the making of, of white children uncomfortable. Uh, and I had kind of always thought that part of what education has to do is to make us uncomfortable in order to, to sure. face um, some things that are difficult to face. So, uh, so I started looking into book bans, and um, this was last November, so almost a year ago, and uh, I, I ran into the story of Warren Folks um, discovering uh, that the Jacksonville Public Library had a book by the, the crime novelist Mickey Spillane that he, he thought, um, well, first of all, that uh, Mickey Spillane's wife um, posed naked on the cover. You can't see anything, you know, it's from the side, but clearly, I mean, uh, Spillane and his wife were up front about doing that to, to increase book sales. Um, so uh, when Falk sees this book uh, and he starts to look through it, uh, he sees things that, you know, that he thinks are, are obscene, um, highlights them, calls them, he calls them, quote, hardcore pornography, uh, and he demands uh, that um, the full city council come together uh, in an emergency session, which did not happen. Uh, but um, he wanted all funding cut for the Jacksonville Public Library System until every book in the library system had been screened. And I thought, this sounds so familiar, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I... I uh, I went downtown to the main library, uh, to the uh, the Florida room on the fourth floor, to see um, how much of of a file um, they would, you know, the uh, the Florida Times Union's um, archives are there. See how much of a, a file the TU ever had on Warren Folks, um, and you know, when you ask, you don't know. You can have a pretty good idea, but you don't know if they're going to have anything or not, or how big it'll be. So they bring back this. It's just like two or three feet you know, this, this stack, uh, <laughs> of, um, files on Warren folks. I just, I could not, I'm just flipping through it and I just can't believe what I'm seeing. And I don't know if I would have chosen to, um, to write, uh, an entire book about Warren folks, um, in previous years, but it seems so much to fit the, the cultural political moment that we're in, uh, that, um, you know, I thought, I have to do this. I have to, um, you know, I have to have to um, track down this guy's story and and find out what he was about and why. It seems as though he left a lot of breadcrumbs, though, because he was one to be writing a lot of letters to people. <laughs> he did, yeah, breadcrumbs. That's exactly right. Yeah, um, right. He did. He um. He uh, he sent letters to uh, to reporters constantly. Sent letters to um, political leaders constantly. Uh, and these were these weren't just um, a lot of them weren't just you know short notes. Um, a lot of these were uh, um, you know seven or eight page single spaced 
letters on <laughs> um, legal size, you know, eight and a half by 14 inch paper. Uh, and then he would handwrite things around the sides and down around the bottom and up the other other side. Um, he he um, he definitely uh, left a significant trail. Uh, you know he uh, he, uh, he he always kept himself in the headlines. He moved from one kind of culture war conspiracy theory to another, uh, and and um, so yeah, he left he left uh, he left quite a fascinating, um, troubling but um, interesting narrative behind. He definitely did. Yeah, I, I uh, saw some images of some of the letters that mm. he had sent. And, and when you see writing right. like that, when you see writing like that, and the envelopes that they were sent in with swastikas on them and stuff, you think mm. to yourself, man, this guy was deep. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I asked myself, um, you, you can't not, I think. Um, how someone who had so much um, so much hatred um, could um, sustain that for so long? I mean, you know, we all get angry, right? Um, and it, it it feels like um, it, extreme emotions have a tendency sometimes to to kind of burn themselves out. And I feel like um, I just asked myself, how did someone carry so much hate for so long without it just absolutely eating him alive you know and yeah. I, I i think and, and and i think it's an important question for maybe for all times but certainly for the time we're living in now you know we see so much um so much racism we see the 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 the, the, um, the mass shooting the racist racist mass shooting that happened outside edward waters um recently and mm -hmm. um, I think hate is its own kind of fuel, and it's remarkable that it doesn't burn itself out, but it seems to perpetuate itself uh, and, and, and fuel itself. And in Warren Folks' case, it did for decade after decade after decade. Oh, yeah. And, and he even went so far as to... Uh, it started started a little thing with the with the church community and and disavowed you know membership with the you know the broader Christian movement and started his own conservative Christian church in his barber shop. He did. He, um, I think that, I mean, he was he was uh, he was uh, he was extreme. He was absolutely far <laughs> far right. But I think yes, he that um, you see this, yeah. I think you see this a lot of times in um, uh, intense political movements, though, where there is um, there's so much passion um, that maybe inevitably uh, it ends up with a lot of infighting. I mean, maybe that's you know what you can see right now, and um, you know the Republican Congress, where um, you know they they. Uh, they seem to come to an impasse every couple of couple of months, if not weeks, and they just, you know, fired yeah. their speaker, and they can't seem to to get another one in in its place. But Warren Folks, uh, you know, he he um, shortly after he came to Jacksonville, he was involved with the um, uh, uh, the American Nazi Party. Um, he 
quickly um, disavowed himself of them, not because of anything uh, we might think logical, like you know they're they're Nazis, uh, yeah. but because of of yeah, but because of ego um, uh, headbutting. And he did that kind of thing regularly. He had a falling out. He early on supported um, George Wallace uh, for president. George Wallace, the Alabama governor, most famously, who said, you know, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He supported George Wallace for um, for president, then had a big um, falling out with um, the um, the Wallace folks. Uh, and um, that culminated in this big shouting match um, uh, on on Adams Street downtown, uh, and and he did the same thing with his uh, church. Uh, he uh, his father had been uh, a um, Church of Christ minister in Ocala, and uh, at one point. Warren Folks joins uh, uh, the Woodstock Park Church of Christ in in Jacksonville. Um, has this enormous falling out with them. Uh, they actually went so far as to remove him from from the church uh, because uh, their their official wording was sowing discord. But uh, you know he um, he uh, uh, everything was about race for him, and so um, he was upset when the church had. Um, black visitors and welcomed them, so he uh, um, he broke off from the from that church and, um, as you said, started something called the Conservative Church of Christ um, in his barber shop uh, on on Adam Street in in Jacksonville. So that was that was a pattern that uh, he kept to throughout his career of being a culture warrior. And it wound him up in jail more than a couple of times. That's true. Yeah. Um, he, um, I think it's impossible to know now. Um, and <laughs> the records don't exist anymore. How many times he was arrested. Um, the, um, the time that he spent the longest in, in um, jail was actually for... Um, disrupting um, activities at um, uh, NAS Jacks, Naval Air Station Jacksonville. Um, <clears throat> he was uh, he was protesting the way the Navy had dealt with um, what he called um, black mutiny. Um, and these were protests that happened um, on, on board ship in California, um, the early 70s. He protested them here in Jacksonville. Um, came onto base and disrupted um, various activities. There was this, this strange, long instance of this, this slow-speed chase that happened across base where um, um, a, a security officer um, on a vehicle almost pinned him against a tree. Um, <laughs> but um, for uh, those particular activities, he, um, he, he served 150 days in, in jail, which was his, his, you know, the longest that he, he spent. Uh, but if you added it all up cumulatively, who knows how, how long it would have been. He, he went to, uh, you know, he would spend um, time in jail quite often for, you know, a day or two for contempt of court because he would just be... Uh, uh, he he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't obey the simplest things that a judge would ask him to do, for example. So he 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 right. was in jail quite a bit. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about contempt, contempt of, uh, you know, the court or, you know, the, the establishment contempt that he had. Uh, he even at mm. uh, one time I had read, uh, carried his shotgun into, into one of the uh, office buildings downtown. He did. Uh, the reason that uh, the mayor's office first got uh, enhanced security uh, to deal with the, the possible threat of gun violence was because of Warren Folks. Um, it's interesting, you know, um, gun laws are actually a lot looser in Florida than, than they used to be and, and just about everywhere in the U.S., uh, for years, Warren Folks could not get a gun permit. It did not keep him, however, from having guns, um, from firing them in public, uh, etc. Um, and uh, in his quest to get uh, a gun permit, he uh, he took his shotgun into the mayor's office. Uh, and uh, when his shotgun was um, was was taken away from him, he. He said he was going to stay in the mayor's office until, you know, for however many days until he had the chance to speak with the mayor. Uh, so he was arrested for that as well. And um, and, and this is the um, the first time that the, the, the Jacksonville mayor's office has, uh, you know, is really taking um, the threat of uh, of gun violence seriously. Uh, he even did a kind of um, the the newspapers referred to it as a a victory march where um, you know when they're when um, workers are putting up uh, uh, you know enhanced security features he he goes and walks walks by the mayor's office and um, with his uh, he always wore this Hamburg and this plaid coat and uh, newspaper photographers took a picture of him, great big smile on his face, and, 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 and referred to that as his, his victory lap. He was quite yeah. the character. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the, yeah. uh, the, 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 the breadth of, uh, and like you say, mm. you know, like I said earlier, you know, the, the, the enormous amount of research that went into this. But again, the man, the man left you so many breadcrumbs and like you say at the library, yeah. they had a stack of stuff on him. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and he wrote he wrote reporters regularly. He threatened reporters regularly. He um, uh, he you know most of us leave very little behind. You know, I mean, not so much now because everything is recorded, uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know, historically, I mean, if you're if you're um, if you're digging for records from from someone who lived a hundred years ago, um, you find what you can find. Um, uh, folks left this enormous legacy behind, and it's um, it's uh, you know it's deeply troubling. Um, but you kind of also have to ask, uh, in some ways he would fit in more now with uh i think the political landscape than he did at the time he was he was seen as an extremist at the time and uh and he definitely was you know um when life magazine came through and um uh took pictures inside folks's barbershop <laughs> in 1965 um some of the people who were there 
uh, included um, Klansmen who had uh, bombed the home of Donald Godfrey, who was a six-year-old boy who was the first black child at Lackawanna Elementary School. Uh, and uh, he and his mother survived because they were on the opposite side of the house. Um, uh, and so he was certainly extreme. Um, but I think that uh, if you look at today's politi political landscape, if, if uh, someone was able to coach him into um, being careful with his rhetoric, I think he would fit in a lot more now than than he uh, than he ever did in his time. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, uh, let's move on. Uh, with your now, you you have been uh, active in the community, uh, an, an advocate for civil rights, an advocate for you know uh, taking down the Confederate monuments. Uh, a, a number of things, the the book bans, of course, uh, and uh, you know, you were once involved with a civil rights advisory or history task force. Is that correct? Hmm. Yeah, um, this was twenty eighteen, um, and uh, uh, I was on the um, uh, uh, it was it was a city council task force um, that was looking into um, getting Jacksonville to join um, the National Civil Rights Trail, which at the time, um, Jacksonville uh, unfortunately chose not to do. But I think that that is, I think that new leadership may be looking at that uh, again uh, and, and may look at things differently. Um, and uh, so at that time, I, I, I also served with um, Rodney Hurst as um, co-chair on the the civil rights history um, subcommittee of that task force, which was uh, um, which is an incredible honor. You know, I mean, um, I kept saying at the time, you know, I write about civil rights. Rodney Hurst is civil rights history. You know, yes, um, yes. So, he lived it. <laughs> um, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it was an honor, um, and uh, uh, I'm always thrilled when uh, the things that I am obsessed by and fascinated with digging into and, and writing about um, can, can be useful in, in the community and the, and the city and the state somehow. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is, uh, you know, the involvement with the civil rights, you know, with your task force and, and your ongoing, you know, activity that you seem to, you know, get yourself involved in on an almost regular basis, uh, uh, how, how, I was going to ask you, how does that shape, uh, the way mm. you write the stuff that you write? How does that, that mm. direct involvement, you know, works, you know, to, to shape your literature, the stuff that you write? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, uh, I guess in some ways there there are probably some pretty obvious uh, ways, and then um, in some ways I'm sure there are things I haven't quite figured out. You know, I um, I try to do a story for Jack Psycho Geo every every week. I don't always make it, but I try, uh, and um, I usually have um, a book project also that I'm I'm, I'm working on. So. Um, 
one thing that happens that I, I kind of already alluded to a little bit is that one story always leads to not just another story, but maybe another five stories, you know, um, there's mm -hmm. like no way to ever be done with this thing, I think. Um, <laughs> but of course, also you have to, you have to pay attention to what's going on and let that influence, uh, the kinds of stories that you want to research and, and, and write about as well. Um, so, you know, one thing, um, one project that's upcoming that, um, it's not actually my project, but I, I played an advisory role too, and I'm really excited about, um, has to do with Donald Godfrey, whom I mentioned a minute ago. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure what year it was that I first wrote about Donald Godfrey, but I've got a couple of stories about what happened there, um, with, um, uh, the Klan bombing his home um, mm -hmm. in um, Murray Hill Heights, uh, 1964, uh, when he was a first first black child, six years old, you know, first black child at Lackawanna Elementary School. And um, so I, I, I wrote the story for Jack Psycho Geo. Um, afterwards, I ended up um, actually speaking with Donald, who is now a retired diplomat uh, who uh, he lives in Ghana. Uh, and um, getting to know him over time. So um, within the last, I don't know, year and a half or so, uh, I've been working with uh, an Atlanta filmmaker named Hal Jacobs, uh, who uh, is, uh, has, has done, it's in its you know, kind of final stages now, um, a short documentary film um, called Just Another Bombing. That's the, with a question mark. That's, that's the working title. I'm not sure if that'll be the final title or not. Uh, and Donald uh, came back um, back here, uh, and his mother Iona, who lives in uh, D.C., came down. Uh, it was such an honor to to meet them, you know. And uh, just uh, it's this really jarring thing to stay. You know, the 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 house where it happened is not there anymore. Uh, but you know, we visited that site, um, talked about. Uh, what their experience was, what their experience of um, healing from this was, um, the fact that um, you know this didn't didn't destroy them. That Donald went on to uh, you know to grow up and have this this um, incredibly meaningful life. Mm -hmm. uh, so next year will be sixty years since the bombing, and uh, in February. Um, Donald and Iona will be in town and Hal Jacobs will be coming to town and um, uh, he's looking to uh, to premiere the film um, probably at Sunray um, in, in Five Points, but also, uh, you know, to have showings and discussions at a couple of other places around town. Um, so I, I think when you when you start digging into stories uh, and writing about stories, um, they all take on a life of their own. And so I keep digging into other things that I'm interested about and expanding that, but also, um, they all have their own lives and they, they, a lot of the times the stories pull me back to them, you know, and it's, uh, um, it's kind of an organic thing, I suppose. <laughs> You know, you mentioned uh, Rodney Hurst there a couple of times. Uh, he has actually been scheduled to be on the podcast with me uh, a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, and and it slipped his mind. He, <laughs> so we had we oh, had really? to reschedule. Yeah, he had something else going on, and and he couldn't make it. So uh, it, 
we're, we mm -hmm. had to reschedule. I'll be recording him like sometime mid-November. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's fascinating. And he always fellow. does have a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this last... Commemoration yep. of um, Axe Handle Saturday uh, is the first one that a mayor has ever attended. Um, Donna mm -hmm. Deacon came out, and that was that was the first time. It's been uh, what sixty three years um, yeah. since Axe Handle Saturday happened, yep. and um, obviously they didn't do the commemoration all of those years. They didn't uh, obviously do them um, early on, but this is the first commemoration that. Uh, a, a Jacksonville mayor has ever um, has ever attended, and um, hopefully that bodes well for uh, for some things in the future. Yeah, I think uh, yeah the uh, the city government Jacksonville, the new administration Donna Deegan, uh, she is. Uh, I I believe we're going to see a lot of firsts. Uh, she was the first mayor to. Uh, uh, attend uh be the grand marshal for the recent pride parade first time of jacksonville mayor has done that ah yeah right and yeah, uh yeah. she's uh her her new administration her her inner circle very diverse mm -hmm. very inclusive right uh, in fact i yeah. i uh i interviewed uh jimmy midget the other day who is mm. now on the administration as the diversity manager for the human rights so uh, a lot a yeah, lot of good yeah. things are happening with the new administration. It's um yeah. <laughs> you know, um it's not that we haven't had mayors who did good things in the past, although no. you know, um they 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 maybe get over uh overshadowed by some of the the awful things that have happened sometimes, but um this is um this particular moment we're in locally at least <laughs> is uh right. is the most hopeful politically that i have felt in a while i've felt um increasingly hopeful um culturally about jacksonville for uh, despite some some truly awful um elements of our local culture um i think um as a whole uh i i have felt increasingly hopeful about jacksonville in recent years and uh you know, so it's nice. It's nice to it's nice to feel hopeful about your town. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, something that I it is I have not always yeah. I have not always known. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been it's been wonderful talking to you, Tim. Uh, before we go, before we go, uh, hmm. since the uh, vast majority of our listeners are in the North Florida area, and I know that I know that mm -hmm. you are uh, in favor of supporting local businesses like most of us are well i'm gonna say most of us mm. are <laughs> where can people pick up your books in jacksonville great yeah oh wow that's such a great question to go out on right um <laughs> well so um first thing let me say that um jacks by jacks uh, literary arts festival this is the 10th year um, yes. It'll be happening early December, so um, I'll be there. Um, Donna Deegan is going to read there. Um, uh, Nat Glover is going to read there. Um, but also, um, I don't think they made all the choices yet, but um, there's always an incredible array of um, 
you know, locally based writers at Jack by Jacks is the kind of thing that, um, you know, makes you feel in touch with your community and makes you feel proud of your community. Um, so, uh, so I want to, want to give that a shout out, but, um, uh, and I'll be um, doing a lit chat um, at the the main library on November fourth. Um, but uh, you, the, you know, um, I absolutely, as as you just indicated, um, support our local businesses, um, independent businesses. So um, you can find my books at um, San Marco Bookstore, at uh, Chamblin Bookmine, of course, the largest independent bookstore in the southeast. Uh, uh, Chamblin's Uptown Downtown. Um, there's a new bookstore on um, Park Street at Park and King called Happy Medium. Um, they've got my books. Um, you can you can find my books at um, the um, uh, the Creative Exchange um, downtown in the bottom of the. I can't remember what the building is now. It's the old Barnett Tower, <laughs> the tall gotcha. blue one. Um, I'm not sure what it's called these days. Isn't that crazy? Um, so, um, and you can, you can, you can order my books on, on, um, my website. Um, but, uh, I, uh, absolutely love it when, when, uh, I know that people are, are, are getting them from, uh, our local independent booksellers. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, my, my favorite, I used to, I used to live in the urban core. For a couple of years, we lived yeah. down there, and and I would walk over to Chamblin's, you know, uptown all the time. I'll go out to have have coffee, sit out there and read the newspaper, and yeah. people watch. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> it's the um, it's exactly the kind of business you should have in the middle of the city, and it's right smack in the center. So yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> Tim, it's been a joy having you here. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I look forward to having you on again sometime. And I tell you, the Jacks by Jacks thing, you know, I had forgot to mention it, and I'm glad you did. And that's coming up in December. Yes, uh, first weekend in December. I can't remember what those dates are off the top of my head, but first weekend. Um, and information um, uh, will be continuously updated, I think, at, at jacksbyjacks.com and um, also on their, their Facebook page. Very good. Very good. Well, for now, we'll say goodbye. All right, Tracy, it's always good to speak with you. So thank you so much for having me. It's been, been a lot of fun. You bet. You're welcome anytime. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Another fantastic episode of the podcast. You can find us on all the social media platforms, wherever you serve, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, threads, wherever. Don't forget to like, share, and comment. And on our YouTube channel, don't forget to like, share, comment, and smash that subscribe button. If you're streaming audio for the podcast, you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcast programs. In the meantime, I like to tell everybody, Take care of yourselves and each other. Until next time, peace.